2: All right, welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is our baseball preseason special, uh, prediction special. And Jonathan Wagner and I have done this for the past several years, I believe. We were talking pre-show. And uh pleasure to be joined now by Jonathan and Scott Lorbacher. I'm Stephen Igo, And guys, uh, are you all ready for baseball season?
0: Can't wait. I'm, I'm down. I'm I'm coming. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's been uh, it's been too long. Uh, of course, ECU coming off a forty-six win season. We're going to talk plenty about that. But I do, you know, we do have to start tonight's show, guys, with uh, Jeff Charles, and obviously, you know, Pirate Radio ran a three-hour special earlier, you know, looking back at everything he he meant the Pirate Nation. Um, and it's it's tough for me to really put this into words in in any manner. Uh, you know, I developed a personal relationship with Jeff entering the business, um, several years ago. And, you know, you grow up listening to somebody and idolizing them. And you kind of have a picture of what you think they might be, but very rarely does a person kind of surpass your expectations. And that was Jeff. He was, you know, everybody keeps saying that the truest professional, he really was that like he prepared like no other, but I just remember how kind he was and, and getting the chance, you know, I've done a lot of interviews since starting Hoist the Colors, but, you know, he personally asked me to go on the UBE Pirate Preview show this year and I was like nervous. I was like, well, I've been interviewed by a lot of people, but very rarely do you get to talk to a legend like Jeff Charles and, you know, him telling my story and, and basically saying, Hey, I respect the work you've done at Hoist the Colors. Uh, that was crazy. And then I was like, well, Hey man, I grew up listening to you. Like you're the legend here. I should be interviewing you. And, um, you know, it, 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 that's a, that's a moment I'll always remember, uh, looking back at everything he did for Pirate Nation, growing up, listening to him, hearing all the calls. He's part of the reason I got into TCU Athletics, TCU Media. Um, he'll be missed, but never forgotten. Uh, and just want to give you guys the chance to share, you know, any thoughts as well before we uh, transition to baseball. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you.
1: Sure. I mean, I think there's few people that can say that their voice is synonymous with something, right? I mean, you think at least for me, um, you know somebody like Eli Gold doing NASCAR as a kid, like hearing that voice on Sundays every week on the way home from church with my parents, like that was synonymous with NASCAR for me and Jeff Charles is that for all of our ECU memories, right? Um, You know, you think about all the big plays over the years when you watch the replays, it's his call that you watch them with um, so he'll live forever with that, and I think it's it's awesome that they're trying to do so much to, you know, get a street named after him or the press box named after him. But you know, whoever comes next, I think is should be somebody that that honors that um, his role that he's had for my entire life. Uh, he took the job in '88, and I was born in '88, so he's all that I've ever heard associated with ECU, um athletics. So it's it was a sad day um, seeing that pop up and, you know, thoughts with his family and, and the rest of Pirate Nation.
2: Wags, uh, any thoughts as a, uh, as the youngest uh, of the three, I was born in 92. So I also only heard Jeff Charles, uh, in my life. Uh, I know you, you, you did as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I may have been born in 99, but I, d- I didn't grow up an ECU fan personally. I, I grew up watching different teams, but, you know, it was around 2016, 2017 when I really – back when I knew I was coming to ECU, when I really started to follow ECU athletics and really that, – that's where my passion started. When it, it kind of launched my career, same thing, like Igo said. You know, covering ECU, whether it was with Voice of Colors, before Voice of Colors, it was – you know, I watched games all the time. If I wasn't there, I was watching them or listening to them, a lot of times on the radio. And, and I think the thing about Jeff is – He was great at what he did, but the thing that stands out is the type of person he was, one of the people you'll ever meet. And my few interactions with him, again, very nice, Uh, one of the nicest people, as recently as this season, football. I was on my way home from, I think, a Hurricanes game. And I was listening. I think it was an ECU, um, which BYU game, the football game. And I just remember it was pouring down rain. Now, I was stressing the whole car ride home, and right as I get there, I'm like, I, I don't want to go back and watch this on TV. So I sat in my car in the rain for 15, 20 extra minutes just to listen at the radio call just to finish out the game, I'm, and I'm glad I did because that, that was an all-time moment for me. And it, his impact will it'll, it'll never be forgotten on Pirate Nation.
2: Yeah, my dad, uh, going up, growing the games with him, He's the he's one of the fans who – brought their like radio the portable radio listened to it on the headset and i was always like why are you doing that like you're at the game like why are you listening to the radio and like as you get older you understand like why he did that because jeff charles was that good he added so much to the game even as you watched it just listening to him added a different dimension so Jeff Charles will be missed. He's a legend. He'll never be forgotten. Can't wait to see what ECU does for him. Just talking to some some people around ECU Athletics, the administration. Um, you know, they're they're wanting to wish uh, or, or you know, leave the family. You know, have some time to grieve before moving into the realm of hey, what do we want to name after Jeff Charles? Uh, what, what do we want to do to really, um, you know, to really cement his legacy as far as a, a building, a street, whatever. That'll be done in time. He will be recognized pregame with a, a moment of silence on Wednesday against Cincinnati, and then halftime there's going to be a montage. But I think later this year, kind of once he has time to grieve um, or their family has time to grieve for Jeff, I think we'll, we'll learn more about, um, you know, what they're going to do to really, really, you know, kind of submit that legacy with a, a naming or, or something in honor of him. Um, so yeah, just wanted to open the show with, with thoughts about Jeff Charles and obviously we'll continue to, to talk about him, I think for, first several months, years ahead. And so guys, let's, let's transition as best as possible to baseball. Uh, those listening to our live edition, if you got a comment, a question, anything, whether it be YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, drop it in the comment section. If you're on Twitter, I don't think we can read your comments through the streaming service we're using. So drop it on Facebook or YouTube if you can. Give us a su- subscribe, a like, all that uh, helps us as far as numbers, streaming numbers, um, and how today's show is going to work. You know, we'll interact with you guys with the comments. If you got questions, drop them. We'll get to them as best as best as we can. But really, we've got it split into different categories. And you know, first player to hit a home run, first pitcher out of the bullpen who's going to lead ECU and wins, uh, you know, saves, that sort of stuff. We're going to go through these categories one by one uh, here shortly, and we're going to each give our picks. It's kind of like a roundtable discussion. And so we'll do that. We'll have some banner about that. Um, and that'll that'll comprise most of the show. Again, we'll get to your questions and everything as uh, as we can. Um, so uh, I already see one <laughs> from uh, Kurt Cohn on Facebook about number of fake bunts. Uh, we'll get into that maybe a little bit later. Um, we got to talk about the rotation, guys. We we discussed it on our previous episode. What we thought maybe was going to be the rotation. Uh, I think Scott, did you predict you Savage would be in the rotation?
1: Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, when I first wrote it down, I actually had him on Saturday, so I actually had it right originally. And then it seemed like everything was moving towards Groves. I was like, well, he'll probably be Sunday then. So, should have stuck with my gut.
2: Well, it was a good pick either way because right now, at least according to Cliff Goblin earlier on the uh, 94.3 of the game, he said Carter Spivey, who I think we all expected to start Friday. We all knew Groves would be in the rotation most likely. He's starting Sunday. And then Trey Savage, maybe the surprise, but not a surprise based on how he's pitched really since the summer. He'll start Saturday. So, uh, early thoughts on the starting three, Wags. Uh, we'll start with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll admit I was a little bit surprised just because I personally expected Yasavage to be a bullpen guy just to start out. I think I said on the last podcast, I think by the end of the year, he'll be in that rotation because I think he's he's too good not to be. And from everything we've heard this offseason, he developed a cutter to go along with his power fastball, good off speed. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want pitching on weekends. So he's going to get a shot out of the gate. And I think if if you look at just pure, pure stuff, I mean, we all saw what Carver Spivey's capable of last season, all American type of guy, if he can replicate it. And you look at Josh Gross and I mean, he's got the stuff and he's shown glimpses of that really every year since he's gotten to ECU. And he, I think he keeps getting better. I think he had a good off season, and if he can put it all together he's he's a dangerous he's another i've been i've been i've been telling Igo since back when i was with Hoist of colors that josh gross will be a friday night ace pitcher before he leaves ecu i've said it over and over again i'm sticking to it i think he's that good and trey savage i think he can be i don't know how you get better than a friday night ace type of guy but i think he can be the best of pure stuff guy out of the whole bunch so it's really fun to look at on paper and now the question is can they put it, put it together and, you know, make that reflect on weekends. And I have a feeling they're going to, I'm really excited. Scott, this looks like the best stuff
2: wise starting three. I can remember in some time, I'm not going to say ever because there's been a lot of good ECU baseball pitching Uh, specifically when Gavin Williams and Carson Wisenhunt were in the rotation. It was almost, you know, regardless of who the number three was, that was a pretty damn good rotation. So, um, you know, when you look at this, the potential of this, this group, this trio, and, I, you know, I think we all realize there's a good chance that the season will end with them in the, the rotation. But, you know, on paper, man, it looks pretty damn good.
1: Oh, for sure. And I think what it does is we have three guys that I think can give you six or seven innings on a weekend, and we haven't had that in a while. Not three guys, you know, like you said, we had – Gavin and uh, Wizenhunt. we had two that could do that, um, and what that does, it allows you to have a fourth Tuesday night starter that, and we haven't seen that, and I don't remember the last time we had a dedicated midweek guy, and I, and I hope that we do this year, um, and, and I think, you know, maybe Jay Hunter could be that guy that gets the starts during the midweeks, and then if somebody gets hurt or if somebody is out for, for whatever it might be, then you have a guy who has starting experience within the season that can step into that that weekend role.
2: Yeah, you know, it's – being at the scrimmage today, I caught about six innings, and, you know, they've got so many arms right now. It's just a matter of, you know, so many guys that can throw 90 to 93 with movement and with strong secondary stuff. Like, stuff-wise, this is the best ECU staff I've seen. It's just a matter of, you know – With these guys who really, you know, three proven commodities, I would say for the most part, you know, moving to the rotation on paper that thins your bullpen, but it also gives all those guys that can throw, you know, 90, 93, who are unproven, you know, I want to say less uh, or more margin for error, I would say, because, you know, with bullpen arms, you're you're looking for shorter outings. If somebody goes in there and struggles, you can go to the next guy. So I think they're kind of hitching their bets here say, hey, if we can get deeper starting pitching, you know, and and develop three, four, five of these big arms that are kind of unproven, I think it just makes the pitching staff that much stronger. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out in time. Um, All right, we'll run through a couple of these questions before we start our our predictions part of it. Um, All right, Kurt Cohn uh, (laughs) wants to know my prediction on number of fake bunts we see on opening day. So are we going straight up fake bunts? Or are we talking slash pullback, hit it? Because uh, we know Lane Hoover will, will make at least three slash attempts. First at uh, bat, yeah, first at <laughs> bat. Um, so if we're going number of fake bunts, counting slashes, I'm going opening day. I, I'm going, uh, I'm going six. How about you guys?
0: Well, I'm taking
2: way
1: over that. Uh, I'm in in double digits. Six too few. I mean, that's not even one in any.
2: Yeah, you're (laughs) probably right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean Hoover will probably have six in his first at bat alone. So, (laughs) um, all right, next question: Chance Scott. He he wants to land again. What are our thoughts on him? I know he transferred to Jugo, put up solid numbers. Um, so yeah, I'm here laying again. We're probably unavailable the first uh, week plus of the season for, for some off the field stuff, but I did see him pitch today. I, I do think he's got the potential to be a guy who really helps his team. He was another guy, 91 to 93, good changeup, great breaking ball. You know, he's just, he's got to get a little bit more consistent, but stuff is there. I, I thought his demeanor was much better than when he was a freshman. Um, I thought he pitched with a lot more confidence and tenacity today than, than, you know, he seemed kind of unsure of himself on the mound as a freshman. So I think is another one of those guys, like middle reliever could be a fringe starter. Um, good stuff, good arm. It's just a matter of how it all comes together. Um, thoughts there, Jonathan?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I said it last podcast too, but I was a fan of Landon how and how he, he kind of came on in his freshman year. He didn't really pitch much in the beginning of the year but when did he come up and start pitching more when the season really mattered and into the regular season conference tournament postseason that's when Landon again really started to pitch at least that's based on my memory and I mean I liked him obviously he was a freshman he had his ups and downs but you know he has good stuff like Igo said nice fastball good off speed to go with it it's just a matter of again with everyone just kind of putting it all together and making it translate to the mound and being consistent throughout the year but I do think he's a guy that could push for a, you know, I hate to say a middle relief because ECU's bullpen doesn't really have defined roles like that. It just it just never works out like that. But, you know, a typical middle relief type of guy who can come in, give you a couple innings at a time, eat some innings if your starter can't get out, go deep into a game. So he could turn very very valuable in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I think there's several of those guys who were kind of I don't want to say unknowns, but kind of no man's land where they got to step up and establish their roles. Uh, and speaking of that, Scott, we kind of answered this last week, uh, our pick of a freshman to have a breakout year solidify a spot. We'll, we'll kind of run this back. H- has anything changed? You know, th- does any freshman come to mind that you're, you're at to have a big role team.
1: Yeah. I think Rasmussen, I think, um, uh, you know, it just seems like his bat is going to get him into the lineup at some point. And then, you know, if we can have production from all nine, well, all eight batting infielders, or excuse me, fielders, then, you know that that is super helpful. So I think he's a guy that'll that'll hit his way into the starting lineup, um, and then maybe Root in in the bullpen, um, in relief as well.
2: Yeah, Zach Root, man. I saw him pitch today, and. He gave up a couple of runs, I believe, two runs. Um, you know, he was not helped out by a, a drop third strike on a swing and miss. Um, McChrystal picked it up, thought he had it, and it, it was on the ground, so it was kind of just a, a deal. But, um, but like, stuff-wise, he uh, he's got a chance to be a dude. I mean, he's got like three or four different pitches already he can throw. A um, little wild, but I think hes he can be effectively wild. So I think Zach Root for me has kind of taken a leap from being a guy who may can't contribute to I think a guy who will contribute. Uh Jonathan, any changes? Uh, I also saw uh Dixon Williams hit one that's still going, by the way. Uh God knows he it was a three oh count and so he knew it was coming. It was just I mean, it had to be four hundred plus feet at least, probably four twenty, four thirty. Uh Wags, uh any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think you know, we've talked about it a lot, and we're, we're going to continue to talk about Dixon Williams, but I think he, he might not be in the lineup opening day. Maybe, he, maybe he'll maybe he find his way into that DH spot, but he, he's going to play, and I think he's going to play a lot right out of the gates, and I, I just think he's that good. His bat's that good, and I also think someone like Cameron Burgess, I believe he's a right-handed bat, you know, candidate for maybe a DH type of spot, just since DH is kind of wide open, I feel like, and there's not really a lot of right-handed bats in the lineup. So, you know, if you go against a junk-throwing lefty on a midweek like ECU always seems to do, I could see him getting some at-bats to start out maybe midweeks at the DH spot and kind of growing into a bigger role from there.
2: Yeah, I I think uh, Cam Burgess has DH for both teams, both scrimmages I've been out there, and I think that's continued throughout the weekend. So he's gotten like – he's batting basically every half inning. So he's getting – A ton of at-bats, and he looks good doing it. Um, You know, he hits for power. He's got a a good idea of the strike zone, so I think he'll definitely help as a right-handed bat. Um, All right, let's get into our predictions, guys. Uh, Let's not wait around any longer. And we're going to start with the one that I usually enjoy the most, and this is first player to hit a home run. I can't even remember when I call a few years ago, but I got it right. I think last year I got it wrong. I think it was Seth Cadell, the year he, he went yard first, maybe. Yeah. Um I think it was so I, Yeah. So there's no way I'm gonna get this right again. Um that was my one year. Uh all right, who who wants to start it off, Scott? We'll go with you. Who do you think uh who do you think leads off the ECU home run train in the twenty twenty three season?
1: Well, I wrote down Moylan. But then you dropped that Carter Cunningham was going gloveless this year. So, um, yeah. I'm going to switch my pick to Carter Cunningham. Just based off nope. of that alone, no batting gloves means first home run of the year.
2: He's got the – yeah, he's got the no-gloves look. And I think he, he looks like a natural. He's, he's looked good this preseason. He's had a good summer. So, I think, you know, the thing is with him, he's got pop. if he connects. I mean, the ball just jumps off
0: his bat. Uh, Wags, who you got? I have a guy I think we're going to talk about a lot tonight, and I have Jacob Jenkins It's just Every scrimmage I've seen, whether it was back in you know the fall or leading up into the preseason, he looks mid-year ready already, and he, he just has a pure swing. I think he's going to hit so much better all around this year. Not that you can really get much better than he was as a freshman, but – he looks like he's in midseason form already. I don't think he's going to waste any time. I think first game, first or second at bat, Jacob Jenkins Coward is going to unload on a baseball, and whoever that pitcher is is going to, to feel very bad about where that ball goes.
2: Yeah, he had another bomb today too, um, <laughs> and another no doubter uh, off a of freshman. It wasn't a it wasn't a terrible pitch. Jenkins Coward just absolutely ambushed it and. You know, that the ball, you know, the ball jumped off his bat last year, but this year it's at a whole different level. Like, even the outs he's making right now are loud. He's hitting it to the warning track opposite way. Uh, you know, Riley Johnson made a good catch on a ball he hit the other way today. And, you know, I think at this point, do we think Jenkins Coward's going to hit leadoff? I think so. I mean, based on, you know, he's been doing it in scrimmages, and Cliff Goblins, you know, I guess if he's got a, uh, He's got a trend. I think he puts his best guy first. So I
0: think we're we're leaning towards that, right? I, I think you can. I, I wrote down a potential lineup just, you know, for the heck of it because that's what I do. And I first, I had I had Hoover in the leadoff spot. So I think Hoover, he's always gonna hit for Average, he's gonna get on base. I think that's the guy you want up top. But I hit JJC in the two hole. Again, yeah. I think I think you just put your guys at the top and you figure out the rest of them there. And whoever's hot to hit in the three hole, whoever's Hottest after that, hitting a four hole, and I think Hoover and JJC, whether it's one two Hoover JJC or the other way around, I think those are going to be your top two guys. I think you have to. Yeah,
2: yeah
1: I agree.
2: Historically, he loves Hoover in the two hole, so I feel like there's a good chance we'll see JJC. It, you know we'll see we'll see guys. Who knows? Uh, maybe he's maybe he's messing with all of us and throwing out alternate lineups for the scrimmages. Uh which who knows? All right. Did I get my pick? I guess not. All right. I'm going uh I'm going I'm going Alec Makarevich. I uh I like Amax power. I mean obviously he's got you know home run potential and I feel like he's he's kind of a big moment guy. I feel like opening days are pretty big moment, and so I'm gonna go with Alec Makarevich to to hit a home run to hit a multi-run home run in the bottom of the first inning on opening day on Friday, assuming the game is played, uh, which I haven't checked the latest forecast. I just know there was some rain in the forecast for that particular day. All right, category number two, which pitcher will be used first out of the bullpen? I think if if this was Las Vegas, uh, the overwhelming odds would be in favor of Garrett Saylor. He led the team in appearances last year. He's Mr. Rubber Arm. Um, Jonathan, are you going with Sailor? or are you going with somebody else?
0: When when I was writing this down earlier, my initial thought was Sailor, but then my next thought was that's too easy, so I'm going to go against the grain. And just a little background here, I feel like Carter Spivey is going to go seven clean innings on Friday. He's going to go deep into the game. You're going to have a lead. I think it's going to be a big lead on Friday, so I don't think you're necessarily going to burn Saylor on Friday. You might use him Saturday, Sunday. But I have Tyler Brett, first guy. I think he's going to be a late-inning type of reliever. And, yeah, I don't know. I I just feel like, you know, new arm, first time we're going to see him. I think it's going to come on opening night, and I think it's going to follow a really masterful performance from Carter Spivey.
2: Scott, who's your pick?
1: Yeah, I kind of I have the same thoughts where we have, you know, maybe a five- or six-run lead um, when Spivey comes out of the game. Um, so I picked somebody that has a lot of experience, and I picked uh, Danny Beal. I think that's our first time out of the pin this year. And he struggled a little bit. Um, a little bit out of, uh, I'm just laughing now. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the uh, scrimmages, but um, I think it would be awesome to, for him to kind of find it game one
2: danny bill is also my pick it's just why i was laughing um uh because i feel like danny bill is like the perfect guy to put in in the sixth or seventh inning when you're up five to one and i feel like that's gonna be the scenario on opening day you know he's gonna throw strikes um today he looked good he may have given up a run off like a balk or something but you know, there, it was a weird situation. They basically put in like Noack to pinch run when he wouldn't have been able to. And then he stole second and then got to third. So, like, he pitched pretty well. He didn't like pitch bad. And so, slider was working, funky delivery was working. I think Danny Bill's up there too, as far as odds, because he's got experience. You feel good when he's in the game. um, And yeah, so none of us went with sailor.
0: So, it's That's definitely kind of crazy. Sailor. Yeah. <laughs> It's we're entirely
1: too game confident game, anyway. for this game one. <laughs> we're
0: overthinking it. <laughs> we
1: yeah. got swept yeah, by Bryant last year, game one. We're like, we're going to win by like nine. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Sailor will come in when they're down like seven. And then, so <laughs> Knock on wood, by the way. Hopefully that doesn't actually happen. All right. Next category, who will lead ECU in wins? Um, last year, leading ECU in wins was Carter Spivey. He went 8-0. and as a reliever you know he started two games and so i'm going to be boring guys i'm going to pick carter spivey again you know the the disadvantage is he's starting on friday nights typically he's matched up with the other teams number ones but i just think he's going to give ecu a chance to win each time out and i think he's going to end up with a similar win total to last year um and so we'll, we'll see how it goes uh wags what are your thoughts
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I thought about overthinking this one, too, but I just, you know, Carter Spivey, he's going to be your guy. And I think, yeah, he had eight wins last year. He also had zero losses, and he was that key leverage guy out of the back end of the bullpen. So he was in a lot of spots to where if he didn't have his stuff, he's in a loss situation. Didn't happen. And now that he's in Friday, Friday night, I'm confident that he's just going to continue doing what he does, if not get a little better. And he's going to be in that Friday night role from opening weekend, I think, through the end of the season. And I think that's a big difference in any rotation we saw last year. So I think Carter Spivey's the guy. But yeah, I, I, I honestly don't see anybody else really getting close to him. I just think he's going to be that good.
2: So we got – if you guys are listening want to weigh in uh, comments-wise, feel free to do that. Uh, Sabres, Edge, pressure washing. I think he picked JJC to hit the first homer. He also is double dealing Danny Bill, uh, for I guess, for his first uh, appearance out of the bullpen. Um, Scott, who you got leading ECU in wins?
1: I think I have to pick you Savage at this point. Um, I've just been on the train entirely too long. But um, I think for one of the reasons is he is – Pitching Saturday nights, um, specifically when we get into um, league play. A lot of teams in our league have a good Friday night guy. Not a lot of teams in our league have a good Saturday. Not, you know, as good as what ours would be, Saturday-type guy. Um, so I think that'll that'll help him as far as wins. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with you, Savage, on that.
2: He's all in on Trey Savage. Not a bad guy to be all in on. And speaking of, uh, who will lead ECU and ERA is our next category. And not to spoil it, but I'm going Trey Savage as well. I think, uh, I just think when you got a guy with dominant stuff and the ability to overpower hitters, and now he's added, you know, he had the fastball curve, and now he's added a, a split. Uh, he's also added a little bit of a cutter-slider deal. So, I mean, if he can legitimately throw four pitches for strikes, and I don't think he'll have, you know, velocity of 94-95 for an entire start, but, you know, sit in the low 90s with four different pitchers pitches and, and bring it up when he needs to, um, I think he's just going to be tough to hit. And even if he transitions back to a bullpen roll, I think he's going to be really good. So, um, are you rolling with your savage here as well, Scott?
1: I'm actually going to go sailor. Um, If he will get enough innings to qualify, I don't know if if we're doing that or not. But, um, yeah, I think I think Saylor at the back end, you know, pitching in stressful situations more often than not, is going to is going to lock it down for us and and be that that closer that we need this year and and not give up a lot, not give up the home runs that he gave up last year.
2: Saylor, by the way, led the team in innings last year. Which is crazy to think about as really. him and Spivey. It was just such a crazy year. So I think he'll qualify if healthy. healthy. Um, I don't even know what the qualifications are at the college level, but I'm going to say he'll qualify. Uh, Wags, uh,
0: what do you got? You know, I think it's kind of back to the first out of the bullpen. You know, none of us picked the top guy in the bullpen, Garrett Saylor. Same thing's happening for Yara. I am not picking Carter Spivey. I'm with Igo. I'm picking Trey Savage. You, you pretty much touched all of it, but. I think that cutter is going to be a nasty pitch if he can throw it consistently this season. And even if he's going, you know, say 90 to 93 with his fastball, I think that's a lively 90, 93. And if you can pair that with a cutter, throw back to back hitters with the kind of off speed stuff he has as well. It's just going, it's going to be impossible to touch. So I have Carter Spivey for wins, but I do have Trey Savage ERA. I think he's going to be really good in that Saturday role.
2: All right, our next pitching category: Who will lead ECU in appearances last year? It was Garrett Saylor. thirty nine <laughs> appearances. That is, That's crazy. I want to cuss really bad because uh, that is a s <laughs> load of appearances. Uh, children might be watching though. Um, thirty nine appearances in college baseball season is is insane. Uh, Spivey had thirty five. CJ Mayhew had thirty one. Danny Bill. Double deal and Danny Beal had thirty. Um, so you had four guys last year with thirty plus, maybe five. Hold on, one, two, three, four. Yep, four. Okay, I can't count. Um, all right, so what are y'all thinking? Is it is this Sailor
0: again? Um, we'll we'll start with Wags. I I do have Garrett Sailor uh, most appearances. I think same role. He's probably gonna be your first guy out of the bullpen most games if it's a tight one because that that's just how. Cliff Godwin also might do it, and I think that's the best way to do it. You put your best guy out there as soon as you need someone to go out there. So I think whether it's a long start by Carter Spivey on Friday night or a short start by Carter Spivey, I think Garrett Saylor's probably going to be more often than not that first guy that comes out. Scott?
1: Yeah, I think it's Saylor. I think it's sometimes the obvious choice is the right choice, right? I think it's, it's – yeah, I mean it's it's hard to pick against Sailor for, for this particular category.
2: Yeah, I'm going Sailor too. I'm I think it's <laughs> um unless he somehow ends up as a starter, I think he he's gonna be the guy. So uh he's just he bounces back really well and um he's he's really good. So you know, I know that his ERA was a little bloated last year, but like dude, when he's on, I mean he he shoves. Uh, All right, who will lead ECU in saves? This one's a tough one um, because ECU, historically under Cliff Goblin, really outside of the Joe Engel era. And, you know, I don't think anybody wants me to mention his name. Uh, (laughs) He's taken off his shoes somewhere. Um, But uh, Carter Spivey had five last year. Ben Terwilliger had five. And Garrett Saylor had five. All of them were tied for the team lead. And then you get into the postseason. Who is your closer? Zach Agnos. So it's like, I think this is kind of a shot in the dark. Um, I've got my pick based on kind of how the preseason's gone, but I'm not real confident in it. I'm going Tyler Brott. I think it's Brott. I don't know if it's Brott or Brad. Either way, the VMI transfer, he didn't pitch very well today, but he's got good stuff. He's got kind of back-end experience. Um, I think he may get one of the first shots at it. So I'm going Tyler Brott, but I think it could be Honestly, they think they think it could be Jordan Little. I was torn between those two guys. So um, Scott, we'll go with you.
1: Yeah, I think a T three is what I'm going with. Just tied, three tied right. for a, yeah, three way tie at the top again. I
2: was wondering where you're going with yeah. that. I was like, <laughs> do we have an alien or do we have the robot pitching now?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I think we I think we see a, a a big tie at the top of the save board again. Um, one because I think Sailor comes in in those early high pressure situations more often than he's needed in the ninth inning. Um and, you know, you know, looking at our schedule, who knows how many save opportunities we really get. But um yeah, I think I think we tend to use our best pitchers when we need them first, not, you know, well, this guy's our closer, so we gotta save him for the ninth, whether the ninth is a pressure situation or not. So I think we see a three way tie at
0: the top again.
1: I go Brot, Sailor, and Bill.
0: Yeah, I, I I wasn't even on my radar, but I really respect that. I really do. But I am actually also going with Tyler Brot. I also thought about Jordan Little, funnily enough. And I just think Brot, like like I said, with Sailor, and like Scott just said, he's going. He's probably going to be, you know, the first guy when you need him to come in. He's going to come in. It might not be in the ninth inning. It might not be a save opportunity. But I just – I I think it's kind of a crapshoot trying to pick it. And, yeah, it's probably going to be a whole bunch of guys up there with however many, probably not a whole lot. I don't think there's any going to be anybody in double digits or anything. So I th- I think Tyler Brought is – eventually he's going to be the Ben Terwilliger type of arm. He comes in. He pitches late. He might not pitch a lot early, but eventually he's going to find himself in that back-end bullpen type of role. All
2: right, before we transition to the offensive categories, we got a couple of comments we need to catch up on. Um, some serious, <laughs> some funny. Yeah. We'll start first with Chris Cunningham, uh, maybe related to Carter Cunningham. Uh, Unsung team asset not discussed, Colby Bortles, uh, brother of Blake Bortles. Uh, but tire- tirelessly and patiently works with hitters, not just to improve hitters, but understand Cliff Galvin's system. Uh, great insight there. Uh, chris because you know honestly the assistants don't get enough praise you know we're, when i'm out there at these scrimmages like the guys you know the director of ops the uh you know the student assistants everybody's working their tail off so um certainly colby's been in the program a couple of years now deserves some recognition uh for sure and and then with the you know the third assistant being passed hopefully he, he benefits from that as well um brett hickman who is <laughs> who's our football (laughs) podcast contributor. Um, Chances Cliff Godwin puts in Mason Garcia to get some needed game experience. Uh, That would be a sight to see, guys. I would love to see Mason Garcia hit a bomb. I know he played basketball at Carolina Forest, but I don't know if he played, uh, played, played much baseball in high school.
0: Hey, hear me out. Hear me out. Last year, that Trey Savage type of role, he comes in for a batter or two. Just think of how fast Mason Garcia can probably throw a baseball. Just throw him out there for a batter. I'm all in. Why not?
2: I mean, he's a legit 6'5", 260 probably. He could probably hurl it up there pretty good. Uh, Brett Brett Ag, uh, bet he can throw the piss out of it. Yeah, I'm sure he can. (laughs) Um, He's a big dude, man. All right, uh, James says, how many brooms will be taped to the light pole this year? We can save this for the end um, because we got our – our record prediction. I don't even know how many series off hands. One of us might have to go through and tally that up as far as, uh,
1: I think it's 14.
2: Okay. Well, look at you, man. You're a math major. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we got a couple other comments. Um, <laughs> skull pirate is back. He wants to know <laughs> how did Scott get that wallpaper? Uh, if you're listening to the podcast version, it's, it's a little, uh, it's the little Jolly Rogers, right?
1: Yeah, the little skull and crossbones. My wife put it up, actually. So, shout out to her. I don't know where she got it. Probably the internet.
2: She got it from the internet. So, Google up uh, skull and crossbones uh, background. I'm sure you'll find something similar. I don't even remember where I got our hoist of colors background from. So, that tells you that. Um, let's see. I mean, we can answer this really quickly. If Cliff Godwin finally takes us to the College World Series, do you think he stays here or will that be enough for him to go to the larger school? Uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot of moving parts there. Um, what positions are open? Like to me, if, if Ole miss opens and he has taken College World, you know, ECU to the College World Series, then he's probably gone. You know, if, if Ole miss opens and he hasn't taken ECU to the College World Series, he might be gone. Anyway, so uh, how much longer is Bianco going to coach? I don't know. Um, you know, I think he would have gone if, if the LSU job would have been there. But, you know, who knows? I mean, it's just – just be glad he's here, show up to the games, and uh, hopefully this is the year ECU makes it to, to Omaha. I mean, he's turned down a lot of jobs already, including Mississippi State, which is a pretty damn good baseball job to stay at ECU. So we'll see how it plays out. All right, let's get back to these. Uh, let's get back to the the special uh, before before these, before Skull Pirate takes over the, uh, <laughs> the the show again. Okay, picture
1: this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild
2: All right. um, Who will lead ECU in batting average? Uh, We will start with Scott on this one. I think there's a few legitimate candidates here and, uh, you know, maybe a surprise too. Who do you think, Scott?
1: I wrote down Hoover. Um, I think Hoover bats over 350 this year. And I think he does well over 350, more like 360, maybe 365. Um, I think one thing that will help him is, you know, I, I think we think he'll hit in the two hole. So he'll get some some bunt singles, and he'll also have some at-bats taken away as sacrifices where he's just bunting somebody over. Um, but, yeah, I think he hits in the two-hole, and then he'll have a, a lot of guys behind him protecting him in the lineup where you say, I got to pitch to Hoover because I don't want to pitch to AMAC or Moylan or McChrystal or whoever it might be.
2: Lane Hoover led the team last year with a three forty-one average – Wags, uh you going Hoover or you going somebody else?
0: I am actually going somebody else. And I go, we joked about this um before, but I will not be picking Garrett Saylor despite his thousand batting average last season. Um I will be going with Jacob Jenkins Coward. I just you know, last year I think he kind of as a freshman, he impressed so much so early. He kind of hit that freshman wall a little bit as the season got late. I think he just got a little worn down. I don't think that's happening this year. I think he's – again, I said earlier, I think he's in midseason form already. I think he's going to come out red hot, and I, I really don't see him letting up. I think all-American type of season for JJC, and he he's the best hitter on the team, I think. And I just think b- a b- very big year's coming.
2: I'm going JC as well, I, I think. Do we know if it's JC or JJC? What is the deal here? I say JJC. I, think,
0: okay. I just call the I, law
1: offices.
2: So <laughs> the offices of JJC, I feel like the fan base calls him JJC, and the team calls him JC. Yeah,
1: I think I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah.
2: So we're gonna call him both. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, JJC as well. He hit 3:30 last year, um, and again, he's crushing the ball this preseason. I think he's, you know, I just don't know how much he's gonna get pitched to, but. And maybe maybe he feels like he'll need to reach out of the zone as a result. Maybe that hurts his average long term. But I don't know. I think I think he ends up leading the leading the team in in batting average. Um, Johnny Gardner <laughs> Johnny Gardner chimes in and says law firm. Uh, we'll just call him the law firm. Um, all right, who will lead ECU and RBIs? You know, Jacob Jenkins Cowart is a, a really good answer here. He did it last year. Was sixty five ahead of Bryson World's sixty two. Um, Scott, we'll start with you. Who are you going with, JC?
1: No, I'm going to Amac. I think with um, JJC at the top of the lineup, he sets the table for Amac more often than the table set for him. So I think you. I think it's going to be a guy who bats three three through five instead of um, a leadoff that'll lead the team in RBIs. But I mean, he definitely has the power to where he can you know, get a lead off home run. He can, um, you know, get some of those guys at the bottom of the lineup in, but yeah, I put, I I think Amac is going to be the guy this year.
2: Yeah. He knocked in 45 last year, which is a really solid number. And you know, he, he hit in the middle of the order at times last year, and then it went through a little slump, but if he can stay in the middle of the order, he'll definitely have a shot. I'm going a little off the board here. Um, and I, I'm, I was choosing between two dudes, and realistically, I think J.C.'s going to do it, but I wanted to be a little different. Um, I'm going Justin Wilcoxon. I think he's made one of the biggest jumps, and I think he's, go, he's been hitting third in, uh, in scrimmages. I think he'll get a shot to hit in the middle of the order early this year. He's having good at-bats. Um, he's hitting for more power. He's taken a lot of, uh, you know, close pitches. It seems like his eyes improved. So I'm going a little bit off the board here, but I think Will Coxon could be in line for a breakout year. I also thought McChrystal as a possibility. Uh, Jonathan, who are you picking?
0: Yeah, I thought about McChrystal here too, but and Will Coxon crossed my mind. But I went against them just because I really think you ultimately you might see a, you know, 2-2 split if you play a four-game week between them catching just because I think they're both going to play a lot. And I think, you know, if you don't want to put one of them in DH, so, you know, in case of an injury or a sub or something, you know, you lose that DH spot. And so I think that's a little bit risky having them both in the lineup. It's going to happen at points, but I just don't know if they're both going to be in consistently enough to be up there. So I do have JJC 65 last year. Uh, Again, I'm riding the high horse on JJC right now. But I think he's going to be in the 70 range. I think he's going to be that good. And whether he's hitting top of the order, three through five, wherever, I really don't think it matters. I think he's going to be that good.
2: All right, who will lead ECU in home runs? Uh, I venture to say one of us uh, will have (laughs) Jacob Dickens coward here. Um, Last year, he hit 13. Bryce in the world hit 20 home runs. And I feel like 10 of those came, like, after the regular season. I mean, he was just – he was on fire. Um, Alec Makarevich hit 11. Those were the three guys in double figures. Um, I'll lead it off here. I'm going Jacob Jenkins-Coward, you know, for the same reasons we've been talking about. My question to you guys is, as a second part of this, does the leader of this category hit over 15 or under 15? I'm going to go – JC hits right under. Um, we'll go to Scott next. Uh, who's your leader and does he go over or under 15?
1: Yeah, I think I, I can't pick against JC here, so I'm gonna um go him. And I'm, yeah, I think 15 is probably a good number to set it at. I think he's probably right at that, and so I'll, I'll just say under just to, to be safe, but yeah, 14 for JC. That sounds about right,
0: Wags. I'm actually not picking JJC because last week, if you were here, I did say that Josh Moylan would bounce back and lead the team in home runs. That would be big, first of all. But I, I think JJC, looking at him, he hit 10 doubles last season and 13 homers. I think I think that's that number is going to be close again. I think he's going to hit more of a, you know, double to the gap type of power this season. And I do think that Josh Moylan, you know, we talked about JJC hitting in the top of the lineup. Josh Moylan could be that three to five type of bat like Scott was alluding to, you know, that guy's oftentimes going to be pretty high up in RBI and Josh Moylan. I I don't know batting average wise how much he'll bounce back, but I do think his power is going to resurge a little bit. And I think last week I said that Moylan would be right at 15. So I guess I'll take the under two, but I think both of those guys are going to be right at that, you know, 13 to 15 range range. And if one of them gets hot, who knows? Maybe they have a Bryson World type of streak and just get hot and hit 20. Who knows?
2: Sabres, Ed's pressure washing. Uh, He's picking AMAC to lead the team in home runs, uh, which is certainly possible. Um, Catching back up with some questions before we round out our our picks. Uh, Skull Pirate wants to know, when will Brett Hickman become ECU football head coach? That's a great question. Uh, Brett, since you're in the chat, I'll let you answer that one. Brett has a legitimate baseball question: Is there merit to not hitting some of your power guys lead off like they do in the pros, JJC, or even a guy like Moylan? Yeah, I think there definitely is. I mean, it's just do you want to pick? You know, like Julio Rodriguez and Ronald Acuna are probably the two best hitters on each of those teams. You know, when they're at their best, they're hitting lead off, and the thinking is if you hit a guy lead off, he's going to get as many at bats as possible. You know, ECU did it with Bryant Packard. Um, you know, They've done it with several others as well. It's just a matter of do you pick – do you want the guy to get the most at-bats possible or do you want him to have the prime run – or I guess runners in scoring position at-bats as possible? And I'm sure there's analytical reasons behind it. I think Cliff just likes hitting his guy at the top of the order to kind of set the tone. But, I mean, you can make a fair argument either way. Uh, Scott, where do you come down on this?
1: I think if it's a guy like Packard, who's more of a doubles guy than a home run guy, it makes a lot of sense. Because a leadoff double scores more often than it does. not um, If it's a guy that's more of a, a free swinging, like, power guy that maybe has a good eye, kind of like Moylan was a little bit last year, um, I don't know if it makes as much sense. Um, but, yeah, I think if you have a guy like Packard or JJC or Burleson that – that is a, a doubles guy first and his home runs are just because it, it was a line drive that was long enough to get out of the, out of the park, then yes, it makes sense. But if it's a guy that's a, you know, big swinger, then a little bit less sense for me, at least.
2: Jonathan, anything to add?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think to me, the way I, I like, you know, just in my head, the way I like to put together the line lineups. And obviously I'm not putting together actually a lot of what I want. But, you know, I like to have that guy, that Lane Hoover type of guy in there at the top. And we, we talked we talked about, you know, slashing and fake bunting earlier, but I think having a guy like that in a leadoff spot, you know, it what it does is it makes the pitcher uncomfortable. So if you're going out there and starting the game and the pitcher can't just go and throw, he's got to think about your butt, your bunt coming down, and is he really is he? Do I have to get off the mound and play this? Yeah, I think that plays a big role too. That's just my personal preference. But, yeah, if you have the Brian Packard, Alec Burleson type of guy, and I think JJC fits that mold too, or he will this year, then sometimes you just got to put your guy up there. So I get both sides of it. Uh, so I'm, I'm in the middle.
2: All right, transitioning now to something completely different. Um, is this a real question? Uh... Is
1: this directed towards me?
2: All right, Austin's, is it Suits?
1: It is. This is uh, my roommate's wife asking, my college roommate's wife asking this question. Hot dog soup is a meal that I used to make in college because I was poor. Um, Unfortunately, they don't make um, the Texas Peak hot dog chili anymore. Um, I don't know if you've seen my Twitter feed asking for it back, Um, but they don't make the Texas Peak hot dog chili anymore which is the primary ingredient in hot dog soup. So um, they can't sell it until um, Conagra Foods and Texas Pete brings back the hot dog chili.
2: So, yeah, she wanted to know if Airmark was going to add hot dog soup to the concessions. And I I just, I want to say no offense to your hot dog soup, Scott. I'm sure it was great, but I think if they offered it, um, I would probably throw up (laughs) anytime somebody bought some. (laughs) She said, like, the sound of it. Um, but, hey, maybe it's really good. I mean, you have to you have to cook up a batch for us one day.
1: Mm, I don't know if I can take it anymore.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. All right, back to uh, our picks. Uh, again, keep the comments rolling as we get towards the end of the show. We'll get in as many as we can. Uh, we got a few more categories to get through. Who will lead the team in stolen bases? So this is kind of a two-part deal. First, the guy's got to play enough to – leave the team in stolen bases i think there are several obvious candidates but um i'm going luke nowak because he's the fastest guy on the team he stole he's stolen on a bag in each of the scrimmages i've been on so i just don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna play um play enough to get there uh like lane hoover makes sense because he's gonna play and he's fast so where do you guys come down on this we'll start with jonathan
0: yeah, I thought about one of Luke Nowak or Riley Johnson, or even Carter Cunningham. Carter Cunningham is wheels. And I, I thought about one of them three, but in the end, I just, I just think that that third outfield spot is going to be somewhat of a revolving door all season long. Just, I think all those three guys are good. They could do it if they were in. I just don't think they're going to be in enough. So I did go with Lane Hoover. I think right there with JJC, he's going to be in the line. He's going to be on base more than anybody else on the team. Those two guys will be. And Lane Hoover's right up there with speed. Led the team last year. And, yeah, I'm going with Lane Hoover.
2: He led the team out of 12. Got caught still in seven times last year, which is a little much. Um, but still decent amount. Uh, Bryson World, 10 of 10. So uh, I don't know if anybody will be that good again. Scott, who are you going with?
1: I'm we'll going with a guy who was six of seven last year, which is uh, the law offices of Jacobs Jenkins Coward. It's hard to say at one time. It's a horrible name. Um, we'll go with JC. Yeah, how about that? I'm, I'm on Team JC now, um, having tried to mumble through that. But, yeah, he was six of seven last year. Um, I think he hits at the top of the lineup, gets on base a lot, probably gets a lot of walks um, too, too. Um, Because teams will be scared to pitch around him uh, scared and pitch around him so i think he ends up on first a lot i think you'll see some fake bunts by lane hoover with uh, jc rolling down the second and then real bunts to get him to third and then some amac rbis this year
2: all right series we are most looking forward to it is a stacked schedule Um, jonathan we'll start with you
0: do you have one that sticks out yeah, I mean, I'm gonna not pick opening weekend just because it's opening weekend, that would be my pick. I always I'm always excited for the UNC series. You know, UNC is a great program in state. Just you know, you always love those types of games. But I mean, I'm looking at the Liberty series. I think that's right before conference play gets underway. It's one of the last weekends before conference, I believe. And Liberty's a solid team. I don't I don't know exactly how good they're going to be this year, but they're always you know, a solid program going to be a challenge, I think. And I think having a challenge like that going into conference play, I think ECU is going to run through the conference. But having a Liberty type of series to set the tone going into it, uh, I love those type of series. I, I typically pick one in this time of the year, so I'm looking forward to Liberty.
2: Uh, Scott, do you, do you have a, a different thought?
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. So I actually chose a team that I think maybe some people will look through the schedule and kind of overlook as, um, as far as how significant of a, of a program this team is. Um, and it's uh, Missouri State. Um, they have a head coach who's been there for 41 years. It's the um, alma mater of Ryan Howard, who won an MVP with the Phillies, Gary Gaetti, uh, Bill Miller, who played for the Red Sox the year they won it all. Um And it's they went to the college world series in 2003. Um, so it's a significant program, and I think you know, maybe if you're just looking at the schedule and you're you maybe maybe haven't followed it as closely as you know me or maybe some other people, but um, you might not see Missouri State as um, a significant baseball program that they are. So, yeah, Missouri State.
2: I believe they came in the Keith LeClerc Classic one year and just kicked ECU's tail. Um, So they've they've done it before as a program, this coaching staff has, so they'll come in confident. Um, I had Tulane written down because that's, you know, they they beat ECU two out of three last year in New Orleans. Uh, But since neither of you guys said UNC, I'll just pick the obvious. I mean, that's going to be a legit uh, series. Um, You know, Honeycutt is as good as anybody in college baseball. And, you know, they're always loaded with talent. Two of the three games in Greenville, so that'll be an awesome series. Um, second weekend of the year. Hopefully it's pretty good weather. All right. Will ECU win the regular season AAC championship? They're the overwhelming favorites. The only other first place vote was by Cliff Goblin for another team, <laughs> uh, which was USF. So are we going to ECU or are we going the field, Scott? Who you got?
1: Nah, I mean it's obvious <laughs> right I, mean, I wouldn't be here if I was picking somebody else but yeah I think it'd be uh it would be hard to pick against this I actually saw like the 11.7 podcast pick UCF to win which is wild but uh, yeah now, the real question is do we win 20 games in conference play or not not do we win the regular season I think
2: yeah I mean it's I guess it's a question of Like, is it just hard? Well, it is hard to sustain the level of success where you're just dominating a conference every year, no matter how good of a program you are, which speaks to the level of what this coaching staff has done. But I think you have to say yes. Um, I don't think they'll dominate it like they have so often in recent years, but I think they'll end up winning it in close fashion this time. I think – I don't know who it's going to be, but I feel like another team in the league is finally going to step up and be pretty good. So we'll see. Jonathan? Yeah, uh,
0: I have no confidence in other teams stepping up in the league. Um, Word for word, I wrote down yes by a lot. And (laughs) (laughs) to me, I just think if this pitching staff with Carter Spivey, Trey Savage, and Josh Gross does what they're capable of doing, no lineup in the American is going to be able to touch it. You know, Uh, obviously the pitchers are going to have their, their down days or whatever. But, yeah, I think ECU is going to roll through conference again, just like they did last year. And I, I don't see anybody that really is going to come close. And, yeah, I, I just – I can't see it. I can't pick against them.
2: Yeah. All right, so we got two more picks, and we'll, we'll circle back to these to, to close the show. Let's let's answer all these questions uh, first. Uh, Buddy Martinez wants to know, which sophomore are we expecting the biggest improvement from last year? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna steal Scott's answer here, probably, and I'm gonna pick Trey Savage. I feel like there are several candidates for this category, but I feel like Trey Savage going from bullpen. Not that he wasn't good last year, but I just think his impact to the team is going to be much greater this year. Even if he get, goes back to the bullpen, I think he's going to be uh, a much more extended bullpen arm as opposed to last year. So, um, Jonathan or uh, Scott, do you, do, you, do you have your Savage or somebody else?
1: Yeah, I think, I think for ECU to be successful, it has to be the Savage, and so I'll stick with him.
2: Wags?
0: Just to be different, I will pick someone else. Uh, I think he's Savage is going to click, but I also think Jordan Little is going to click. I think he's – you know, we talked about him earlier. He could be one of those guys that pushes for late-inning bullpen innings, and he had a great summer. I, I believe he had a great preseason coming in, and if he can get innings and – you know, not force himself back into that role where he's not pitching. He only pitched once last, last year, so that's not really fair to him. But, you know, I think he's one of those guys. He could step up a lot, and he might not be on a lot of people's radars. So I'll go Jordan Little.
2: Uh Skull Pirates uh, wants to know um, opinions on second and third reliever this year. I, you know, I think we all know Garrett Saylor is going to be one of the guys. Uh It's just a matter of who else is going to step up. I'm going to say – I think why is going to make a big leap, um, and I mean there are several can- candidates here. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Zach Root. I think as a lefty, I think he's going to play a big role. And so I'll go those two guys. Uh, Jonathan, how about you?
0: Yeah, I think I'm still going to go with Tyler Brott behind Sailor, probably is maybe the number two. It, it it depends on how you're looking at it too. To me, I'm looking at second and third relievers is who your second and third guys are going to when the game's on the line. And so I'm going to go Tyler Brott. I think Zach Root could be up there. Jordan Little could be up there, but I think Danny Buell could be up there. And, you know, it's just, there's, there's a whole bunch of guys. And I think who steps up into that second spot is a storyline that's really important to the success of the season. So there's a bunch of guys that could do it, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with Tyler Brott and I'll go with Jordan Little. I just said he's going to click. I'll go Jordan Little.
2: Scott, who are your second and third reliever? If I was holding a gun to your head right now,
1: <laughs> I'll go uh, Broughton Bill. A little BB action um, in the back of the bullpen. Um, a lot of alliteration. Double Dylan <laughs> Danny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, I'm yeah, all for probably. that. All right, James wants to know least errors slash best fielder this year. Um, I don't. I'm going to go catching position. From what I've seen, I think those guys have made a huge leap. I'm going, you know, least errors is not going to happen because like you're going to get errors on on uh you know throwdown. So that's probably the wrong pick. But as far as best fielder, I'm going those two guys. Scott, who you got?
1: Well, if you're going least errors, you have to go an outfielder because right, it just doesn't happen as much out there. So I'll I'll answer the best fielder question. Um, and I say AMAC. I think AMAC has the best glove on the team. And um, at third base, he has just held it down over there for his entire time here.
2: All right, Jonathan, you going to least errors or best fielder?
0: I'm going to go best fielder. Um, and I'm going to go a little bit, maybe a surprise. I, I think we're all kind of waiting and seeing how the Jacob Jenkins-Coward experiment goes in center field. But, I mean, I go, we talked about this at the scrimmage last week. But with the arm that JJC has, it's comparable to a Bryson Worrell type of arm. And we all saw what Bryson Worrell can do thrown from center field. And I think JJC, I think he's more athletic this year. And I think if it's all – if he can get a good jump on balls and, you know, really learn how to read them in center field, then I think he's going to be a very, you know, under-the-radar type of good defensive type of player, really round out his game. So I'm going to go JJC. I think he's going to put it together out there and turn into a good center fielder.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's definitely a good pick. I think that's the the one area where, like, I haven't seen him. You know, I've been out there for a couple of scrimmages, and I just haven't seen him. Like, nobody's hit the ball to center field, really. Um, somebody did to deep center today, and he handled it fine, but haven't really seen him get tested. But, like, arm strength, speed is there. It's just a matter of how it, how it looks on game day. Um riley johnson by the way looks like the best outfielder defensively to me he, he covers a ton of ground he looks really natural doing it um so if if it doesn't go well with jc i think riley can play center hoover can play center no can obviously as well so we'll see all right our final question and we'll group this in with our final answer um We'll group all this together. So Brett wants to know needed record for a top eight national seed. Obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, and our final two talking points. A, will ECU host another regional? ECU has hosted four consecutive regionals, uh, the, the, the most in the country outside of Stanford, which I think has done it five in a row. Uh, but those are the only two programs that have done it at least four straight years. Uh, we are also going to go ECU's final regular season record. There are fifty-six games, and we will do ECU's postseason finish. So, will they make it to you know the the regional, super regional? Will they make it to Omaha? Uh, I guess we should have technically answered this in our last podcast, but hey, we had to save it for uh, save it for uh, save it for the last preseason podcast of the year. So, um. A lot there, Scott. So we'll start with you. I guess If you, you can go in any order you want here as far as record, regional hosts, postseason finish.
1: Sure. So um, Buddy, um, who asked the question earlier, asked me this earlier today, and I told him he had to wait. So hopefully he's still tuned in. Um, he asked <laughs> if we win more than 39 games. So, um, I think we do. I think we win 45. 45 and 11 um, is what I had when I went through the schedule and um, just kind of Week by week, I picked how many games I thought we'd win that week. Um, So 45 and 11, I think, obviously gets you a regional host. Um, Whether or not it's a top eight seed depends on if we win the conference tournament. Um, If we don't win the conference tournament, we won't be a top eight seed. It's just that's just how it is in our league. It's probably not fair, um, but it is. But just, just just with the way our conference tournament plays out, it's not indicative of how good your team is more often than not. It's just uh, just a grind to the end. Um, so if, just for this, we'll say we do win the conference tournament, then I think we are a, a, a top eight seed. Um, and then we host a super regional, and this will be the year that we break the door down if we host another one. 45-11, and that
2: would be a – That'd be a hell, of a, a hell of a year. I mean, you might could you might could be a top eight seed with just that record. And I guess it depends on strength of schedule. Obviously, a lot of factors there. Um, So, Skull Pirate, by the way, before we get to you, Jonathan, he's got 41 and 15. Oh, yeah, he said this last week. 10 seed. will <laughs> <he> play <both laughs> Texas. And Alabama, Super the lose. <laughs> uh, he's got ECU losing, in this, this, which, I, again, is completely possible. Uh, all right Jonathan your uh your your answer to this question um as we as we wrap up the show
0: I had I had ECU as 43 and 13 and so obviously yes that's a regional host I think and like I said earlier I just think the Americans going to be bad again and for that reason and it's crazy to say this after just the whole course of last season and how it unfolded for ECU. But I think they're going to have to be nearly perfect. I think, like Scott said, you have to win the conference tournament to host a Super this year, be a top eight seed. And I had them – I had I have ECU as number nine right around there. I think they're going to be right there, but I don't have them as hosting a Super. And for postseason finish, I did have this year as – I do think ECU is breaking through. I just have a, I have a feeling this is the year they're going to go to Omaha. I'm not going to say they're going to win the College World Series. I think they're going to get there, and I'm going to stop there. But I've just had that feeling. Maybe I'm just ready for baseball, but I think this is the year that ECU breaks through.
2: It is the year 2023. It is uh, – obviously, everybody knows what that number means if you're an ECU baseball fan. And as much as I want to pick this to be the year for ECU to, to get to the promised land – I don't know if we can go three for three on it, guys. I I do have <laughs> ECU hosting another regional, which is an amazing accomplishment in itself. I do think, as I watch these scrimmages, this is this may be one of the best ECU teams. I, I guess the potential for the best ECU team. Um, so last year they finished the regular season what thirty eight and eighteen and twenty in a row, which is insane. Uh, and then finished forty six and twenty one overall i'm going 39 and 17 which i think is going to get them a lower hosting seed. i think they win the regular season i think they lose in the conference tournament it's just very hard to win both like you can be the best team and it's just so hard to sustain that level of success uh, i think they they win the greenville regional and uh and then i have them um i had them losing to uh let's see who, who what random team do i want to pick uh <laughs> Hmm. I can't pick North Carolina. I don't think Texas is going to be good enough to be a, a national seed again. All right, I'm going to say I'm going to say they lose to Ole Miss in a super regional best of three for the right to go to Omaha. Cliff Godwin returning back in a great series, uh, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to pick ECU to to make it to Omaha. Just just as a because uh, I feel like if we go three for three, there's no oh, yeah. shot. ECU no shot. <laughs>
0: I got so break. much respect for you not picking them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got to break the jinx somehow.
1: Um, Maybe this is the year that we're a not a top eight. Yeah, and our top eight loses because, like, I mean, how bad yeah. of luck have we had that when we are we do host, but we're not a national seed, which I don't think they use that term anymore. But we the team across from us never loses. Which the the year with Louisville, they yeah. had lost to like <clears throat> Illinois State in the first game and came back and won that. So, Maybe maybe one year. Maybe this year.
2: Like the one year Texas beat South Florida, four seed in the Super Regional. Like, Not that any path is easy, but it's a pretty easy path. I mean, let's be real. I mean, come on. If ECU was hosting South Florida in a Super Regional series, like what are we doing? That would never happen to ECU. But it'll happen to Texas. It'll happen to North Carolina where they're hosting Stetson or some BS. I mean, all right. We got to wrap up this show uh, because we're well over an hour. We all have lives. Um, we're still looking for an NIL deal for the Hoisted Colors podcast. Uh, if you're a sponsor, let us know. But guys, we're almost there opening day four days away. I guess less than four days away as of right now, this hour, uh, we are well past 10 PM. If you listen to the podcast replay, we appreciate it. If you listen live and, t- and tuned in with your comments, we appreciate it. And, any final thoughts from either of you guys? Or y'all just y'all just ready to see some baseball?
0: And I think if there are any Canes fans, I said it last week. What a weekend! You know, ECU baseball is back on Friday. Hopefully, the Stadium Series game is on Saturday. So, and I took off Sundays. I usually work Sundays. I won't be at any Sunday games this year. So I'll be at ECU baseball on Friday and Sunday. The Stadium Series game on Saturday. I've been waiting for that my whole life. This is an all-time sports weekend for me. I am fired up, and I cannot wait until first pitch. I'm going to be out there two hours early just hopefully to sit there, just to take in BPA and all that stuff just because I'm that ready. So I I can't wait. I'm really excited for this year.
2: Jonathan, you know what that means, right, is you're not a true pirate.
0: <laughs> I won't be there Saturday. I won't be all choosing, three.
2: If you're choosing the NHL over ECU baseball, you're not a true pirate, man. You're not allowed to come on this podcast anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I've been waiting for a stadium series game my whole life. I know. I don't blame you at all. I would, I would go if I had some money. Scott, any final
1: thoughts? Yeah, like you said, um, NIL deals were uh, open for business. Uh, hit us in the DMs or whatever that uh, that recruits said a while back. Right. Um, Grover Gaming, this whole area, I put one of those hats on my head um, that Cliff always wears. But, yeah, excited for this weekend. Um, I'll be watching it from um, right here in my office Um probably while i'm working uh, hopefully my boss isn't listening um <laughs> uh, but yeah it's, it'll be good to be back um like Wag said it's it's a good weekend for sports You got the daytona 500 as well um coming up so excited for this weekend um maybe next podcast i'll um match you guys on what shirt i'm wearing we keep uh we keep <laughs> each other.
2: yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to start coordinating uh, apparel. Um, <laughs> So, we'll figure something out, guys. But, all right. By the way, make it to uh, Menji's Coliseum Wednesday night for uh, the basketball game, also to honor Jeff Charles. Pack that place out if you can get there. And I guess we're going to try to do this podcast Monday nights throughout the season. I feel like, you know, it's a little late for some people, but it's good for each of us. And people can always catch the pod or the, the replay. And we've had good interaction through the first two podcasts. I think it'll just continue to pick up. So, Appreciate everybody for Scott for Jonathan. I'm Steven. You guys have been listening to the hoisted Color podcast. We are out. We'll talk to you next time. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is
0: electrifying. It's the feel good movie of the year. You dig Bob Marley one love. ready PG thirteen. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.